We've had a really good uh, Christmas season. I want to thank you for all the work you've done. I see the old signs back there from our Christmas festival. Seems like six years ago, but it was just the end of end of November. But uh, yeah, just to summarize real quickly, you all did a great job at the uh, Linwood Christmas Festival. It was a huge success with hundreds of people coming and being very blessed. I, I got a sweet card in the mail from a lady who came and said that she was just absolutely, I should have brought it with me, but she was just completely overwhelmed by our graciousness, our generosity. And she couldn't believe that in this economy, everything was free. <laughs> there was no cost for anything for this event. And she was just delighted in it. And uh, so I had a lot of good feedback from people on emails and things, but she took time to send a card to the church just thanking us for all that we did. And uh, just seeing the smiles on all the children's faces and the parents and all that you did. Thank you for the, all the work with that. And then our guys had gone over to uh, Tall Oaks, the campground over here, done an incredible amount of work on their bathrooms. They're going to continue to do work, volunteer, to help that Christian camp. And uh, there's also been a family or two uh, over in Bonner Springs that needed furniture, needed food, needed a job. Without making anything publicly known, folks in this church have done a great job of helping that happen, even finding beds for them and furniture for them. And uh, grateful for that. And then, of course, the longest night that we did uh, for the families of murder victims. Uh, Patrick and y'all, some of you made 40 crosses for that. We needed extra crosses. And uh, Jim came and spoke at it. And it was just a wonderful event, uh, helping encourage those families who've lost loved ones to murder this year. And so just grateful that even though you're what some would call a relatively small church, you have... Uh, really embrace this community, embrace this world, and work really hard to make it better. And it's an honor to be here with you. Turn your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. We're not going to look at Matthew 8 today. This is the first Sunday of the year, so I'm going to do sort of a New Year's service. And uh, I love this text. I love this sermon. It's not mine originally. Uh, actually, 155 years ago today, I think uh, Charles Spurgeon preached this text. So it came from 1867, but uh, it's a great, great text for New Year's, I think. You normally wouldn't think of it as a New Year's text, but that's one of the reasons it makes it such a great text for New Year's. And hopefully it'll be something that will remain in your heart and your mind every single year uh, going forward. So Deuteronomy chapter 11, and I'll set the stage for you a little bit. Moses is speaking to the people, and he's preparing them that one day you're going to enter the promised land. And it's different than Egypt. And when you enter the promised land, this is what it'll be like. So he's preparing them for that uh, at this, in this text. And so we'll begin reading uh, with verse 8 of chapter 11 of Deuteronomy. It's in the very beginning of the Bible. <laughs> Keep every command I'm giving you today so that you may have strength to cross into and possess the land that you are going to inherit. And so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your fathers to give them and to their descendants, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And then pay close attention to verse 10. For the land you are entering to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated by hand 
as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are entering to possess is a land of mountains and valleys watered by rain from the sky. It's a land that your Lord cares for. And then this very important sentence, he is always watching over it from the beginning of the year to the end. The Lord, your God, cares for it. He is always watching over it from the beginning of the year until the end. Father, bless the preaching and the speaking of your word to our hearts today. Open our ears and our eyes so we can see it and experience it. Most importantly, Lord, communicate through the power of your Holy Spirit the truth you want each one of us to hear. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oftentimes in gospel music, particularly older songs, some hymns we have in, in our hymnal, if we still had a hymnal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm bound for the promised land, you know, that, that old song. Uh, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie, right? Or if you listen to any kind of gospel music or bluegrass music, it's always talking about maybe living in Canaan, meaning heaven, But the reality is this, and if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, if you don't learn anything else this service except this, this is an important lesson to learn. Never in the scripture is the promised land where the Israelites enter, never is that a picture of heaven at all. Uh, It's okay in the songs because we kind of know what it means. It's okay in the old gospel songs because when they say Canaan or the promised land, the people think of heaven. But that's not how the scripture describes it. Because when the children of Israel enter the promised land, they haven't arrived to heaven. It's not perfect. They're not sin-free. There aren't any more battles to be fought. When they arrive in the promised land, they still struggle, right, with sin on a regular basis. They have many opportunities to fail. Remember, they wanted a king like everybody else, and God relented and gave them a king, and they got Saul, and he he was not a good king. He was a mess. We could go on and on. Eventually, the two kingdoms split, Judah and and Israel, and and all the problems they had and how they would oftentimes worship things they shouldn't worship and ignore God. And they had the judges that would come and the prophets that would come that would call them back to righteousness. It was an ongoing battle. In every sense, I think you can seriously look at these texts and say all of this is a foreshadowing. Egypt was when they were under captivity of, of Pharaoh and were not free. Canaan is where they were set free. So in a very real sense, what, what you need to look at when you see it this way is that when you talk about the children of Israel in Egypt, that's like you and me before conversion. Before conversion, we were oppressed. We were captive by Satan. We could not be free. And some, including Spurgeon, he talks about the, 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 the wandering in the wilderness as a time of conviction, but whatever. But eventually they cross into the promised land, and that is very much a picture of what it means like to become a believer. It, you're, you're in Christ. You're not in heaven yet, but you're in salvation. But all of us know that in salvation, it isn't heaven yet. We, we still suffer, and we still have battles, and we still have to hurt, and we still... Battle with sin, just like the young lady in the video. She knows Christ, but she's the first to admit, I struggle on a daily basis. So when we think about getting into Canaan, it's not like, well, everything's fine now. We come into Canaan, things are different, 
but we still have a battle to fight. But here's what I want to focus on this morning. Moses draws some incredible distinctions between what's happening in Egypt and what happens in Canaan. In Egypt, he says, it's a different land. In Egypt, you had to irrigate it. You had to work for getting the gr crops to grow. You, you had to, it was a constant toil, a constant struggle. But he said, you're going to a land of Canaan where the water comes from the sky. It actually rains here. You don't have to worry about trying to get water from the Nile and irrigate. It actually rains. It, it snows in the mountains and the streams come down. In other words, it's a different place. And that is so true. Once we come to know Christ, once we're in him, it is different than it was before. There is springs. There are good things. And, and God does, he is there with us. And, and it's not going to be like it was in Egypt. And he goes on to say this. And this is the verse, verse I want you to focus on as you think about the fact that those of us, and I believe most of us who come out on a sub-zero Sunday, the day after New Year's, are probably Christians, probably. And we are in Canaan in that sense. We've, we've left Egypt We've become converted. We've trusted Christ. He's freed us from death to life. And we are now in this promised land. We're not in heaven yet, but we are in Canaan. We are here. And there's a difference between life in Egypt and life in Canaan. Life in Egypt, it depended on you. And you were lost. And you couldn't be saved. And it was a struggle. But life in the promised land, God has promised to give this to you. And he has promised. This is the important part. Listen to what Moses says. Listen to the difference between Egypt and in Canaan, the land, verse 11, you are entering to possess is a land of mountains and valleys watered by rain from the sky. What a beautiful picture. It's a land that your Lord God cares for. He is watching over it. From the beginning of the year until the end. And if you have the King James Version, I love what it says. The eyes of the Lord are watching it from the beginning of the year until the end. Look, Canaan wasn't perfect. You had the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Canaanites. There were battles to be fought. There were days of great victory. There were days of great defeat. There were times when the people would come together and, and honor God and worship God and turn their hearts to God. There were times when they were cold and indifferent and loved the things of the world. There were times when they followed godly leaders. There were times when they followed ungodly leaders. But they were in the promised land. They were God's chosen people. And we don't know what 2022 holds. God knows. Certainly nothing surprises him. But I can tell you on the authority of God's word, I can tell you from my own experiences and from 2,000 years of Christian history, this is a year going to be filled with ups and downs, with challenges and difficulties, with some great experiences spiritually and personally and some devastating experiences personally and spiritually. And that's the nature of where we are, this side of heaven. But in the midst of all of that, 
in the midst of all of the uncertainty that from our perspective is uncertainty, in the midst of all of the ups and the downs and the battles we have to fight and the, and the constant struggle, just like the young lady in the video, in the midst of all of that, Moses gives an amazing promise. Unlike Egypt, here in this place, oh, in this place, in this place, God will provide. And in this place, he says, it is a land that thy God cares for. The eyes of your God are upon you. Now think about that for a minute. Here we are, coming to 2022, those of us who are in Christ, very much in Canaan. What's it mean that the eyes of God are upon us? What's that mean? Does it, 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 it's not that he's, he's got physical eyes looking at us, but rather it's that he cares for us. He sees us. He's aware of us. Have you ever felt like nobody really understands me? Nobody really knows me. Nobody really knows the hurt I'm going through. No one knows the anxiety I feel. No one knows the struggle I feel. That is not true. The eyes of God are always upon you. Never does he take away his look from you. Never does he sleep. Never does he slumber. As you look at 2022, you don't know what it's going to hold, but God will see you through it all. The eyes of the Lord will always be upon you. What a glorious and wonderful and comforting and amazing kind of thing. Reverse it and say, well, we got to be looking for God all the time. <laughs> we got to be seeking him and trying to find him. That's not what the scripture says. He's always looking at you. His eyes are always on you. Oh, I can't say it nearly as well as this. Spurgeon says, I wish it were in the power of mortal speech to convey the full glory of that thought, but it is simply not possible. You must eat this morsel alone. You must take it as a wafer with honey and put it under your tongue and let the sweetness stay there. The eyes of my God are always upon his chosen. Eyes of affection. Eyes of delight. Eyes of unwearied power. Eyes of unimaginable wisdom. Eyes of unchanging love are always upon you. In your worst moment, in your most tragic moment, in your most sad moment, in your most alone moment, in your most confused moment. The scripture says, for those of us who are in Christ, the eyes of God are always upon us. Now, Satan will tell you that's not true. Satan will tell you this is a big universe and this is a big God and he's got more things to do than care about you and your life on a 24-7 basis. But the scripture is just the opposite. It says the eyes of God are upon you. I don't know what 2022 is going to hold for me. I don't know what this afternoon is going to hold for me or for you. But I do know that if you and I are in Christ, the eyes of God are upon us. Eyes of love, eyes of compassion, eyes of affection, eyes of wisdom, eyes of grace. They never leave us. They never leave us. Even when you're sleeping, they don't leave you. What a glorious and wonderful truth. But let's look at another word, the word eyes. But how about this, thy God. Your God. Now, I know in the King James it says, Thy God, and in your version it probably says, Your God, your Lord. But the reality is, if you went back to the original translation, it would be, 
thy Jehovah God, the, the powerful. The, we, the word Lord in the Old Testament is, is often translated, the word Jehovah translated Lord. But Jehovah is, is this powerful, massive word of who God is, the creator, sustainer of the universe. The one who spoke it into being in an instant. The one, as I've said, the scripture has said so many times, and I've repeated so many times. The one who, who created every star, names him, and holds him in place by his mighty power. The one who knows every molecule in this amazingly immense, amazingly immense universe and holds every molecule exactly as it should be. You know, scientists, when they look at the universe, they continue to be amazed at it. But one of the amazing things is that there's order to it. That there are laws that the universe obeys, whether it's here in some sort of molecular level in a cell on the, on the earth, or whether it's in the gases in the most distant galaxies we can see. There's a law to it. There's a law to gravity. There's a law to time and space. Who ordered all of this? We could spend a whole day talking about the divine, the, 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 the nature just screams of a divine creator. The one who created all of this, the one who knows all of this, the one who holds all of this together. Wow. The scripture says he is your God. There's an intimacy between you and him. He's not some great clockmaker that just made this whole thing and spun it out there and you can't know him and he's just watching it go. But rather, Moses and much of Scripture makes it clear he is your God, thy God, your God, your Jehovah. His eyes are upon you. He loves you. He is yours. He is yours. Through Christ Jesus, you know God. Again, Spurgeon says, in the ties of the blood of Jesus with sinners, our husband, our head, our all in all, we are in his fullness, the fullness of him that fills us all. Thus the eyes of God, as the covenant God of Israel, are upon his people from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. He is our God because of what Christ has done. So as you face 2022, you know that his eyes are always upon you. Eyes of love and affection and power and confidence and encouragement and wisdom. But he is your God. You don't have to wonder, does he love me? You don't have to wonder, is he really there? He has made it clear you're his child. He is your heavenly father. Jesus is your bridegroom. Let's just get it settled right here and right now. He loved you enough to purchase you with the blood of his son. And he calls you his own. And you belong to him. You belong to him. You belong to the master, the creator of the universe. And he loves you with a love that you could never imagine. An agape love that is perfect and pure and never ends. And he does it for his own glory. You bring nothing to him, but for his glory, he's chosen to love you. In a way that you can't even begin to imagine. He is your God. He isn't just the God. He isn't just the divine creator. He's your God. From the beginning of the year to the end, you can know that his eyes are upon you. From the beginning of the year to the end, you know that he is your God. From the beginning of the year to the end, the next word is he's watching over you, looking over you, caring for you. 
never to forsake you, never to leave you. Oh, listen. Moses makes it so clear to the people that even though they have gone through a tremendous amount of difficulty getting to where they are, even though they don't deserve any of this, they're about to cross over into a place that's very different than the place that they were. And if you're a child of God and you've repented of your sin and you've called him Lord, you're in a very different place than those who don't know Christ. Frankly, those who don't know Christ can, can't say his eyes are upon me in the way he, his eyes are upon those who know Christ. For those who know Christ, his eyes of affection and care and concern and love. For those who don't know Christ, he desires for them to come, but the eyes are of judgment. And one day, if they don't respond in faith, it will be eyes of condemnation. For those who do know Christ, they can call him as their God. For those who don't, they can't. You know, we often talk about the Lord's Prayer. The disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he began with the phrase, our Father. The reality of it is, as you look at that text and explore a little more, look at the setting before and after, you realize that that prayer is really only for those who are able to call God our Father through Jesus Christ. It's not for all of humanity. Not just anyone can call God our Father. He's only your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. The only way to come to Him is through the Son. And so for those who do not know Christ and those who do not have faith in Him and those who have not trusted Him, they are not able to call God our Father. He is not their God in the sense that Moses is talking about here. The greatest gift you have in 2022 isn't your health, it isn't your job, it isn't your family. It's that He is your God. My God. I am His. I belong to Him. In the very same way that the, the prodigal son came home in all of his rags and torment and he was embraced and loved and given a fatted calf and given shoes and given a ring and put the father's robe on him and embraced and a party was thrown and he was right back in loving in the, the, the affection and the love of the father. Oh, that's us. That's us. We bring nothing to the father, but he loves us anyway. The eyes of the Lord. The eyes of your Lord, the eyes of Jehovah, the eyes of your Jehovah, and then the word always. <laughs> We've talked about it quite a bit already this morning, but again, just marinate on that. In a world where everything is inconsistent, right? Your internet's inconsistent. <laughs> your cars and your trucks are inconsistent. Anything mechanical is inconsistent. Your mood is inconsistent. Your health is inconsistent. Your children are inconsistent. Your parents are inconsistent. You're inconsistent. Let's be honest. In a world where nothing is always, God is always. He is always. He never takes a moment off. He never has a bad day. He's never buffering. He is always there. Always. Can we just enjoy the fact on this cold January 2nd morning that the eyes of Jehovah God is your God and they are always on you 
as you are in Canaan. This is a different land. Those who are out of Egypt have this special relationship with God that you didn't have when you were in Egypt. It's an unbelievable relationship. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It has everything to do with how God has delivered you from Egypt and given you this promised land. And now that you are here, this is the fruit of it. It's not that there's no more problem. It's not that there's no more battles. It's not that there's no more difficulties. There will be. But here's what you can know. Eyes of your God always on you. What? From the beginning of the year until the end. Never changes. Always consistent. Through COVID, through the death of loved ones, through the loss of a job, through the loss of health, through disappointing relationships. Dear Saint, you can know that he never looks away. He never fails to see. And you can't look at this text in this way and not hear the New Testament as it says, Jesus says to his disciples at the very end of his life when he's ready to ascend to the Father. And what does he say? Those wonderful words, that amazing promise. Are you ready? He says this, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There'll never be a time here. Moses says the eyes of the Lord are always upon you from the beginning of the year until the end. And Jesus says to his followers, I will always be with you even to the end of the age. God is the ultimate consistent one. I know we talk about heavenly fathers and some of you had earthly fathers who were not very consistent. And indeed, for some people to make that understanding of God is my father when I couldn't really depend on or trust my father. The scripture says he's a father to the fatherless. But the reality is so true. God is not like our earthly dads who have good days and bad days, who get moody, who try their best but sometimes fail. God is this perfect heavenly father that loves us perfectly 24-7, never takes a second off. He is always there. You can always count upon him for all things. The eyes of the Lord will be upon his people from the beginning of the year to the end. Well, what shall we do? Why let us be as happy as we can during this year? You will have trials and troubles. Do not expect that you'll be free from them. The devil is not dead. <laughs> and sparks still fly upward. Herein is your joy. The God of your Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, will never leave you or forsake you. Up with your standard. Now march on boldly in the name of the Lord. Set up your banner and begin to sing. <laughs> Away with whining and crying. God cares for us. The sparrows are fed and shall not his children be. The lilies bloom and shall not the saints be clothed. Let us roll all our burdens upon the burden barrier. You will have enough to care for if you care for his cause as you should. Do not spoil your power to care for God by caring only for yourself. Let this model be your model for this coming year. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. By taking this thought, you cannot add a cubit to your stature nor turn one hair white or black. 
Take then no anxious thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take care of itself. Lean on your God and remember his promise that as your day is so, so shall be your strength. I would have you, say the apostle, I would have you without carefulness. He does not mean I don't want you to have care and prudence. What he means is I don't want you to be fretful. I don't want you to have distrust. I would have you not care for yourself, but know that the eyes of the Lord upon you, and he will always care for you. Are you grateful this morning you're in a Canaan where the battle's not over, but the eyes of your God are always upon you from the beginning of the year until the very end? Father, how thankful we are. We need to hear that. Sometimes we think that because we're in Canaan, we shouldn't have any more problems. But, oh, Lord, what we do have is you. No matter what comes our way this year, you will never forsake us or leave us. Your eyes are always upon us. You are our God who loves us dearly. Lord, can we take this verse and can we make it part of who we are at this coming year? In the hours and days and weeks when it's difficult and challenging and we wonder what it all means, help us go back to this verse and realize we're not in heaven yet, but thank God we're not in Egypt, but here in Canaan, it's a different land. And the truth is God never forsakes us here. And he'll always give us all that we need just at the moment that we need it as we lean on him. These things I ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.